Thanks for being here today to encourage one another on the journey as well. And we want to say welcome to our guests that are here this morning. Thanks for joining us, being a part of Crosspoint this morning. Our hope is you have seen Jesus Christ in our midst. And our hope, of course, is if you're looking for a church home, man, we'd love for you to be a part of our family right here uh, at Crosspoint, joining us and telling that story of Jesus Christ. There are lots of ways to get involved, to use your gift set in the way that God's blessed you to tell that story of hope. Uh, that is Jesus Christ, and we would invite you into uh, helping us tell that story in lots of different ways. Uh, I want to mention a couple of things that have already been mentioned, but I want to reiterate that uh, uh, tonight is our trunk or treat, and that is not only a family event for Crosspoint, but a neighborhood event as well. Last year, we had over 500 kids on this campus uh, coming through and uh, having a lot of fun creating a safe place for them to be uh, on a Sunday night uh, and for uh, lots of adults uh, and, and kids, for that matter, to see what a great place Crosspoint would be for them uh, to bring their family to worship, if indeed that they're looking for a place. Uh, but I want to encourage every single one of you, no matter your age, no matter what's going on in your life, to be here tonight. It's just uh, an hour and a half, 6 to 7.30, uh, and it's a great opportunity to interact with other folks that you know, to have a little fun along the way, and to meet some, some new folks uh, as well. So be be here tonight, if at all possible, we want to encourage you uh, to come back uh, this evening. And then secondly, that your family would be praying about the November 12th Missions Sunday. It's a great opportunity for you to consider uh, how your family can jump into telling this story of Jesus Christ, not only right here locally, but around the world. Uh, and so that's an opportunity for you to uh, sign a pledge card and give uh, or give money, or, or maybe make a decision that, hey, next summer we're going to go on a mission trip as a family. What a great opportunity to, to pray about that, that, to think about that, and to uh, get involved in telling that story in a very practical and hands-on way. So be thinking about November 12th, how you're going to be a part of that particular uh, Sunday. We uh, end up uh, our series this week, uh, today, uh, as we go through and have been talking about this idea of giving in. What does it mean to live generously? How do we follow Jesus Christ and the example he's given us on how we're called to interact with the world around us? How do we look different than the world around us? And so we'll finish up today talking about how do we give when we have a lot. We've talked about uh, two weeks ago, what does it look like to give when we've got a little? Last week we talked about what does it mean uh, to give when you have some, and today we're going to talk about what does it mean to give when you have a lot. Now, many of you have already turned me, out, turned me off because you've already heard the word a lot, and you know I don't have a lot, so I don't, this doesn't apply to me. I guarantee we're all going to pull something away uh, from today and the story that we'll look at in the Bible. We'll be in Luke chapter 19, and I hope you've got your Bibles, and we'll turn with me there as we dig into the Word of God and look at a very familiar story, one we've used in a different context, but hopefully we'll pull some new information out of that story today for you and I. Next week, I want to encourage you to come back because we're starting a brand new story answering the question, who is Jesus? Uh, as we look all through the month of November, uh, we're going to answer that question by looking at the different I am's that are in the New Testament that Jesus says he is. Who is Jesus? And we want you to come back to be a part of that series as well. Well, last week, you might remember that right here on stage, we had uh, a dresser. We've got a picture of that for you. We don't have the actual thing up here today. But we talked about how many of us compartmentalize our lives, don't we? we we've got certain things in different drawers, and we try not to mix those up too much. We've got a, a drawer that's just for the spiritual, just for God. Uh, and on Sunday mornings, you don't mind me opening up that drawer and talking to you a little bit about how God's called us to live and honor Him in our life. 
but we've also got drawers where maybe we keep our finances, drawers where we keep our entertainment, uh, drawers where we keep our relationships. And sometimes when we open those drawers and try to remind ourselves that everything is spiritual, uh, sometimes we, we are a little shy about that. We've got to remember that in Jesus' world, in Jewish culture, there was no such thing as categorization, no, no drawers, so to speak. Everything was in one big drawer, that God ruled over everything. When you ask how life was going, it wasn't how's your spiritual life, it was just how life is going, because that was the assumption that you're talking about, my spiritual life in God, because everything is spiritual, everything. No matter what we're talking about in life, whether it's relationships, whether it's how you do entertainment, how you interact with uh, the world in front of you, how you drive your car, your finances, whatever you might be talking about, any given topic, it belongs to God. And so many times in our life, we fail to, to fully give him everything, don't we? We, we full, fully don't give him all of the thrones of our heart, if you will. Because we've got this little piece that's just for me. I mean, the guy you see at the football game on a Saturday night may not be the guy you see on a Sunday morning, right? Sometimes we get those things mixed up. But we're reminded that everything is spiritual. And so you and I, we we may get the budget right at home. We may be socking money back in the 401k or the savings account. We we may even get debt-free in our life. But if we don't have Jesus Christ on every throne of our heart, then we've missed the point. We've missed the boat totally. Jesus Christ calls us as disciples to let him rule every single part of our life. And it doesn't matter if you've got just a little in your life or you've got some or you've got a lot. He wants to be ruler, king of everything that's going on in your life. You know, to kind of give us a better conception of what the world... Right now, we've got 7 billion people on the face of the planet. But to make the numbers a little easier for us, let's shrink that number to 100 people. Let's pretend there were 100 people, uh, based on the statistics. If there's 100 people living on the planet, then what does that mean for me as I look at how I've been blessed? Well, it would say that 70 of them don't know Jesus. That's kind of shocking, isn't it? 70 don't know Jesus. Uh, 51 of those folks would be female, 49, if I do the math right, or male, right? means guys, we're outnumbered. There could be one woman in the room, we're still outnumbered, doesn't matter. 80 of those, yeah, some of you just got that. 80 of those people would live in substandard housing. 80 out of 100 have no running water in their home, no electricity in their home. 50 of them are malnourished, meaning they get enough food to get through the course of the day, but they're not living healthy. They're not healthy uh, at all, susceptible to disease. 70 out of 100 cannot read. One is starving to death. And six out of 100 live in the United States of America. And those six own 50% of the world's wealth. Wow, that, that kind of puts it in perspective, doesn't it? It kind of reminds you and I how blessed we truly are. And you, you may have some, some things going on in your life that, that is not working out really well for you. I mean, by world comparison, you and I fall into that a lot category. We've been blessed a lot, haven't we? There have been moments like I've had in my life, you've had in your life, where maybe you found yourself jobless. 
and you, you were living uh, on what you had stuck away in maybe a savings account. Maybe you found yourself somewhere in life with no health insurance. Uh, maybe you found yourself uh, at the end of the month with not enough money to pay the bills that were on the table. You and I have had those moments in life, but in the grand scheme of things, compared to the world, you and I are blessed beyond measure. We have so much to be thankful for, but, but Americans, we tend, to, we, we tend to reminisce about the tough things going on in our life. I don't know how many of you are on social media, uh, how many of you have a Twitter account, but uh, here are some tweets I picked up from Americans uh, of the tough times that we've got going on. Here's the first one. It's frustrating when I get home from the grocery store and there's just not enough room to fit everything in the fridge. Now think about that for a minute. Or how am I supposed to eat these french fries without ketchup? This movie is taking so long to download. And finally, the heated seats in my car don't heat evenly. (laughs) I guess one side's a little warmer than the other. I don't know. But you and I, we, we lose perspective, don't we? Because of where we live and what we have been blessed with, we complain about the most ridiculous and selfish things in life. We may believe that this message is for the upper 1% of the world that we've talked about over the last couple of weeks, but remember, if you make $34,000 a year, you are in the 1%. You make more than most people in the world. Our text is in Luke chapter 19, and again, it's going to be a familiar text to you, one that we've used before uh, in a different series, but uh, I think it makes the point for what we're wanting to call our hearts to understand how God's called us to live as people of God in the culture in which we live. So let's take a look at Luke chapter 19, verses 1 and 2, beginning. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. Now, I want to draw your attention to the words very rich, because that word in the Greek means extreme wealth. So, not, not, not just rich, but this guy had money coming out of suitcases. He was buried in the backyard. He, he had lots and lots of wealth. And for those that live maybe in our culture today, that might mean multiple vacation homes. Maybe you've got your one home that you live in, you've got a home in the Rockies and one on each uh, coast of America, maybe one in Naples. You've got a jet to get you to those places fairly quickly and you've got a fleet of cars uh, that answer to you and you only. I'm just trying to put it in context for us to understand the type of money that Zacchaeus had. He was very rich. Now, I also want to say, and I've said this the last two weeks, that there's nothing wrong with having stuff. There's nothing wrong with having lots of money in the bank. There's nothing wrong with living well, because money is amoral. It is neither good nor bad. What Jesus calls us to as disciples of his is to remind us that the love of money, the desire for having all of that stuff in our life at whatever expense that we need to to have, to, to get it. That's where the problem really lies. 
You see, just one chapter over in Luke chapter 18 is another interesting story, and it's always interesting to me how writers group things together so that the reader uh, gets a better understanding of what's going on in the mind of God, what Jesus has called us to do. In Luke chapter 18, uh, beginning in verse 18, there's a story about a guy who's called a rich young ruler. And he finds Jesus and the disciples, and he's got a question for the rabbi. He wants, he wants to know from Jesus, what do I need to do to live forever? I've got lots of other things, but I'm not sure how I'm going to beat this death deal. I, I want to know, how do I live forever? And Jesus says, well, of course you need to keep all the commandments. That's our Jewish culture. Don't commit adultery, don't murder, keep the Sabbath, honor your mom and dad. And he says, dude, I have done that from day one. Ever since I was a little boy, I know all about that, and I've kept all of those commandments. But because Jesus knew the type of person he was and the heart that he had, then he went on to say, then if you've done all of that, you need to sell everything you've got and give the money to the poor. And verse 23 leads us into our story, if I can find it. But when the man heard this, he became very sad, for he was very rich. And when Jesus saw this, he said, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard this said, then who in the world can be saved? And he replied, what is impossible for people is possible with God. Now, if you've got your Bible, that's one of those verses you need to highlight, you need to circle, you need to underline, put an asterisk by. Because so many times in our life, we feel like we cannot overcome We can't conquer that temptation. We can't do the things that God's called us to do. But Jesus reminds us that when our heart is right, when we truly want to follow God, then anything is possible with God. Anything is possible with God. Interestingly, in this particular text, it says the man went away sad because he was very rich. The same Greek word that's used in chapter 19 We'll juxtapose those in a little bit. See, the more stuff that we have, the more likely it is that we put our hope in stuff. Things that we think that we can control, we can sit on. We, we think that things in life, including money, is going to bring me uh, security, make me feel safe that a lot of resources are going to make me significant. In other words, that my self-worth and my net worth are the same. And Jesus says it has nothing to do with either one your identities in Jesus Christ. It's not in stuff. doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank. It matters what kind of relationship that you've got with the Heavenly Father. And see, there is a tendency to control your life with possessions rather than fully surrender everything to Jesus Christ. Same way in my life as well. Back to our story in chapter 19, beginning in verse 3. 
See, Zacchaeus tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. The folks aren't happy with this rabbi who's now gone to be with the lowest of the pond scum in the sinner realm. You see, on that ladder in Jewish culture, there, there were the regular sinners, those who weren't in a relationship with God, and then you had maybe the prostitutes underneath there, and then under those you had the tax collector. He, he was just absolutely worthless. And now you've got this person who is an incredible man of God saying, I'm going to go to your house today. And what we understand where Jesus is going in this story, for you and I, it's, it's really not about the finances, the stuff that Zach has, but it's really about how he got it. It's, it's the, the underlying principle, theologically, of Zach's life. It's less about what you have and more about how you got it. And it relates to us in our life as well. You see, in in Zach's job, he was a chief tax collector. And so the way that you got that job was you bid to the occupying force, that's the Roman government. You said, listen, I'll get whatever taxes you want from the people here in Judea. Uh, and let's just say, let's put a round number on it. Let's say they wanted a million dollars, and so Zach says, I can get that, and I'll get it to you by the date that you want it. But then Zach had the freedom to also add some surplus, some other taxes to that to make his own money. So maybe Zach also wanted to make a million bucks in a year, and so he got those taxes, and then the people he gouged, and they got, he got more money from that, but he's also got other tax collectors working underneath him. And so that Jewish population would have looked at him two different ways. Number one, you're stealing our money. Number two, you're, you're cohorting with the enemy, the people who've conquered God's people, and that was not okay. Now, understand Zach is saying, hey, it's just business. It's in my business drawer. It's okay. It's not connected really to anything else. And so it calls us to ask the question as we look at this story, how have you taken from others in your life in order to get for self? What are the things that you've done in your life that were demeaning or isolating or bullying or whatever? Fill in the blank. You see, the Bible warns strongly against those who would take from others in order to increase their own bank account, their own self. The half-brother of Jesus in James chapter 5 says, Look here, you rich people. Weep and groan with anguish because of the terrible troubles ahead of you. Your wealth is rotting away and your fine clothes are moth-eaten rags. Your gold and silver are corroded. The very wealth you were counting on will eat away your flesh like fire. This eroded treasure you have hoarded will testify against you on the day of judgment. For listen... Hear the cries of the field workers whom you have cheated of their pay. The cries of those who harvest your fields have reached the ears of the Lord of heaven's armies. 
So James reminds us, initially you think, oh, he's not really for the big fat bank account. He's not really for the stuff I've got in the garage. But as you read on, you realize what James is calling attention to as followers of Christ is your heart. These three weeks have all been about your heart. It's not been about money. It's not been about giving at all. It's been the desire for us to realize how Jesus is calling us to live generously in a world that does not live generously. How do we look compared to the culture that is around us. And based upon our our story this morning of Zach, ask yourself a question. Have you been a person of integrity? Have you been honest with people in your own life? Zach made a lot of money, but it was by lying and cheating. And now... This incredible teacher of God, this rabbi, is sitting in his home. What does the writer of Proverbs say in Proverbs 28 and verse 6? Better to be poor and honest than to be dishonest and rich. And what we understand from a biblical perspective, we pull pull everything together, is that morality is greater than prosperity. When we become people of integrity... When we become people of heart, when we become people who desire to look like Jesus, that is the type of life that we're called to live. And Jesus tells Zach in our story, listen, I'm coming over today. Jesus says, I'm going to hang with the unhangable, if I could say that word. Zach is used to being alone, and so this is an absolute treat for him. He's got someone who's extremely popular, very well-known, and has a relationship with God. This is unheard of in Jewish culture. No one would have ever gone to Zach's house. And it reminds us about the power of relationship in our own life, even when people aren't making decisions that you would hope that they would make, that we keep walking with them and we keep loving on them. And as they speak in this story, Zach and Jesus, the authentic words of Jesus convict Zach over the meal that they share together. I mean, this is exactly what he has been looking for. He hasn't been able to buy it. He hasn't been able to trade for it. He hasn't been able to obtain it in any way. And now it's right in front of him. The peace he's been looking for in his life. The joy and the happiness has been revealed to him through the conversation that he's had with this poor, homeless, traveling preacher. And he's discovered it. And it's created a heart change in Zach. And what you and I learn in this story, if nothing else, is that Jesus changes everything. Jesus will change everything in your life. And when I say everything, the Greek word for that is everything. Every drawer. You want happiness and peace. You want a constant companion for life. You don't want to feel alone. Jesus will provide all of that. And in verse 8 of our story, it says, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor. Lord, and if I've cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Zach is a different person 
than he was only hours before. Why? Because Jesus took the time to interact with him and share with him what he had been missing. And church, there's something wrong with our own journey if we as Christians don't handle our stuff any differently than non-believers handle their stuff. We're called to stand out against the world, not in a weird and quirky way, but in a way that is beautiful, not condescending, but one that, that joins in relationship and shows the world a better way in Jesus Christ. I mean, if... If you came to Jesus and nothing changed in the drawers that you had, your entertainment drawer, your relationship drawer, your money drawer, then I'm not sure that you're, you're legit because Jesus changes people. Jesus impacts us for the better. Our life will never be different. And after Jesus, Zach has a desire to make things right with the people that he has tricked the people that he has uh, an issue with. I'm sure you've seen lately on TV all the publishers' clearinghouse uh, commercials. Uh, The guy shows up, they've got balloons, they've got flowers, they've got this big fake check of millions of dollars, and the person's at the door, and they're jumping up and down, and they're freaking out, and I'm thinking, how can I be your friend? But can you imagine, Zach, the next day, showing up at someone's house? Oh, you again. I already paid. No, you don't understand. I'm here to actually give you a refund. And not only your refund, but four times what your refund is supposed to be. What? You're giving me money? Zach says, yeah, I I met Jesus, and he's totally rocked my world. I'm a different person because of the lunch I had yesterday. So a guy named Jesus talked to you, the guy that I know that, preaches and teaches and does miracles. Yes, that's the same guy. Here's your money back times four. I mean, you you would ask, what's up? What's going on here? I mean, if Jesus can change you, if if Jesus can change Zach, then who is he? Who is Jesus? What is Jesus? To change someone from one side to the other in a day. Your life would be changed by that type of testimony. And imagine the lives that you and I could change if we reflected that same kind of excitement in change. If we allowed Jesus to fully convict us in every drawer of our heart to say, God, you reign supreme. It is all you. I want to be different because of you. And I want to share that story with the world around me. I mean, what would people do if we decided to go and make things right in a relationship? What if we decided to to create a moment of do-over? What if we decided to represent Jesus every moment of our life as we sit at a restaurant, even buy lunch for the person at the next table without them knowing it or or order that extra cup of coffee for somebody in line? What would happen? What type of impact would you and I have for Jesus if we truly decided that he is going to change my life? I'm going to be different because of Jesus. It's less about having a lot, but more about what you do with it. 
It's more about the blessing and how you use that blessing in your own life. You see, Zach becomes radically different and generous in his life. And we learn that generosity breaks the power of money. Generosity breaks the power of stuff in our life. I mean, what, would, what, what could we do as a church family? I'm not talking about the church worldwide. I'm talking about Crosspoint, the families that have made a decision to be a part of this family. What would happen in our life if every family, not every person, but every family here made a decision every single week, I'm going to give 20 more dollars toward the kingdom of God, toward missions, toward helping other people know who Jesus Christ is? I'm going to make that a goal in my life. And you may be sitting there this morning thinking, well, Tim, I really don't give anything. Matter of fact, I take a 10 out when it comes to, no, you don't do that. (laughs) If you don't give anything, that means next week I'm starting to give 20 bucks a week. What would happen if every family, not every person, but every family that's a member here at Crosspoint made a decision to do 20 more dollars a week? I did some research, and these are some things that we could do, not an exhaustive list by any stretch. But we could, as a church, dig seven water wells for African villages that have to walk maybe five miles to the river to gather water. We we could adopt 3,800 children through Compassion International, making sure that they had, and these are countries all around the world, Children in desperate need of medication, education, clothing, and knowing Jesus. As a church, we could adopt 3,800 of those kids. We could provide 7,200 malaria vaccinations for kids in Africa. And we know that some of our kids at Sam's Place suffer from malaria. We could provide that as a church. We could provide the medicine needed to deworm 300,000 kids in Africa. The majority of them run around barefooted. Those parasites enter through the bottom of the foot, and it messes up their digestive system. We could offer that. We could, we could provide the funds needed to support three new families in Central America, local nationals that can teach the story of Jesus to their friends and their neighbors. You and I are blessed beyond measure. And God calls us through his son, Jesus Christ, to to think about life differently than the rest of the world. To say, how can I be Jesus to those around me? And what we discover along the way, and Jesus says in verse 9 of our text, that salvation has come to this house today. Because Zach made a decision to to have a different heart. Again, it's not about stuff. It's not about money. It's about your heart. And because Zach made a decision to have a different heart, to reach out to the community in which he lived, to live for God's cause and not his own, Jesus said, salvation's come to this house today. I don't know about you, but that, that is reassuring to me. To say that in my own home, when my heart is dedicated to Jesus Christ, that he too would say, salvation is in this home today. Because you love me, I'm going to bless you beyond measure. Because you've made a decision to follow me and to live uh, different than the world is living, then I'm going to bless you. Because you've decided in your own way 
to be a giving person, to be generous in your lifestyle, then I'm going to bless you beyond measure. We, we remembered this two weeks ago where God said, try me out, test me. Give to me your heart. Give me everything. Make me the king and Lord of your heart and your life, and I will open the floodgates of heaven so much that you won't be able to hold all of the blessing that I am going to give you. Wow, church, I want to be, I want to be a part of that, don't you? I want to lean into the story of God. I want to say, Jesus Christ, take over my life. I want, I want to give you everything. Do with me what you will because I can't sit still knowing the peace and the love and the acceptance I have because you are my Lord and Savior. I want you to feel that in your life as well. That you would say, here and now, as Zacchaeus, here and now, my heart is different. Here and now, I give myself to you, God. Show me what you want me to do in my life. I surrender everything to you. I want to be your man, your woman. Bless me so that I might bless other people. I'm going to invite the praise team back to the stage at this time. And our shepherds and their wives will be gathered along the wall of this room. Uh, And as we sing this song, maybe there's something on your heart uh, that's troubling you. Maybe you're anxious about something going on in your life right now. And I want to encourage you to to walk to one of those shepherd couples and let them pray for you and over you. Let them lay hands on you so that that you can have that peace in your life. Turn it over to God. Give it to Jesus. He says, bring your burden to me, you weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I want Jesus' rest. And so I'm going to surrender everything to him. I'm going to give it all to him, and I'm going to say, God, use me how you will. I want to be a part of your story. Let's stand and sing together.